All right. Man, it's beautiful worship today. Kobe, thank you for that. We are uh, we have parents with varying uh ex- levels of experience today that we're whose babies we're going to be dedicating and uh one of them is coming up now to I kinda like that, man. It's good background music. So I'll let Will, the experienced father, and also background music killer, do his job. Yeah, thanks, Will. Um, we have, you know, moms and dads with varying degrees of experience. We have a, a number uh, of, well, a few that are going to be dedicating their first babies. And we have a few that are dedicating their, I won't say how many, hopefully last Hopefully, last babies. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all look. Yeah, thanks. That's what happens when you turn the music off, man. I was feeling I was in the mood. Well, listen, when you have a baby, you wonder about a lot of things. What's my kid going to look like? Will she be pretty like her mom, or is she going to look like me? Is he going to behave well or misbehave terribly? Is he going to get the best or the worst parts of our personalities? Sometimes you wonder about deeper and even crazier things. Try this one on for size, and don't worry, you're not alone in this, parents. Have you ever wondered about something as simple as, what have I gotten myself into? Seriously, how did this happen? I mean, you know how it happened. (laughs) But now you have this kid, or your second kid, or you've never stopped having kids. Your eyes are bloodshot from sleepless nights. Your house is cluttered with bottles and diapers and plastic toys. You wear spit up on your shoulder like an accessory. You listen to crying. Good one, bud. Um, The perfect, perfect picture of your family is not turning out like you had in mind. And you're probably wondering, parents, what have I gotten myself into? Well, this is what you got yourself into. It's a relationship. A relationship with a human being. Granted, right now is not, uh, this, this human being is very small. But it's a relationship nonetheless. And this relationship is complicated. There's a lot of pressure to get it right. And you're probably going to get some pretty crazy advice if you hadn't already gotten it. But let me go ahead and clear something up with you. There's no perfect way to parent. Can I get an amen from all the parents? All right. And not only that, but you're going to make mistakes as a parent, and that's okay. Because here's the deal. Your relationship with your child is more important than getting everything right. All the stuff that comes with having a baby, all the schedules and devices and theories, pale in comparison to the relationship that you build over time. And that little human being is going to care about the relationship. That's why parenting is so wonderful. 
Now, here's something else you might be wondering. Have I done anything this week that really matters? <laughs> I've actually seen a post from one of my parents that way this week. Instead of measuring your week, though, in how many meetings or how many completed home projects you've done and how many connections you've made, you started measuring your weeks in how many hours you actually slept, how many loads of clothes you folded, or how many diapers you changed. Especially in these early months, you don't exactly get a lot of compliments or affirmation. Your child isn't going to look at you and say, great job keeping me alive this week. <laughs> you don't get paid a bonus for uh, how getting extra loads of laundry done. But when you wonder, does what I'm doing really matter? Just remember, being present matters. Being present with your child week after week is the most important thing that you can do at this stage. Not randomly present, but consistently present. You might teach your child some revolutionary lesson or see them develop in a new level each week. Uh, Or you may not. You may not even get to shower every day (laughs) this week. But the one thing that you can definitely do is be present. Here's something to think about. Every parent has approximately 936 weeks to spend with their child from birth to high school graduation. Imagine those 936 weeks as marbles in a jar. And with each week that goes by, you take a marble out. All right, do the math. Based on your baby's age, how many marbles do you have left in your jar? Can you believe you've already lost some marbles? This jar illustrates an important principle. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time that you have. Just be there with your child. Because sometimes being dependable is more important than doing something remarkable. If you've simply been there for your child this week, you've accomplished something far greater than you could ever measure. Now, Since parenting is so wonderful, here's another thing you might wonder. What does my child need most? That one actually has a simple answer. It's universal for every child. We've been singing about it today in our worship time. Ashley talked about it. It's something that any parent can give better than anyone else. The child need, what the child needs most is love from you. And that's it. It's simple. At the same time, it isn't. With each marble or week that slips by, there are opportunities to demonstrate the one thing every kid needs and how we love our kids while their kids will impact them for the rest of their lives. So you get a chance every day, every week, to prove your love to your child over time, to prove them that you love them by the words you say, the people you invite into their lives, the stories that you tell them, the way that you play with them. Love is the most important thing that you can give any child. And one reason that parenting is so wonderful is that now you are the most strategically positioned person in the world to show your son or daughter what it's like to be loved unconditionally. Here's something else you might be wondering. Will my life ever be the same again? Let me explain the answer in a way that hopefully will encourage you. 
it won't. <laughs> the answer is no. It won't. It never will. Not even close. Your life will never be the same again. Your kid changes you by the minute. One minute they're happy. The next minute they're melting down. One minute you find yourself saying you'll never have another kid ever. And the next minute you're finding yourself saying maybe one more. Their bodies grow, their personalities develop, and their minds expand. And it makes for an unpredictable adventure. But more than that, having kids changes you. And yes, it changes you for the better. Maybe that's why it's so hard. Have you ever noticed that most of us aren't changed for the better by going through things that are easy? Having kids cultivates and nurtures something in your heart that's difficult to explain. And the only way to experience it is to actually be a parent and to have a child. You'll cry more, you'll laugh more, you'll worry more, and sometimes you'll do all three at the same time. No, your life will never be the same. But really, would you want it to be? Of course not, because parenting is wonderful. There's one more thing you may wonder from time to time. You may catch yourself thinking about something you've never thought about before until you had a kid. Sometimes you will look into the face of your child and just wonder, who will my kid become? Will they get my ears? Will they laugh a lot? Will they go to college? Will they, uh, what will their friends be like? Will they be like me when they're 18? Well, guess what? Who your child will become is somewhat a mystery. It's a question too big for you to answer. Actually, it's too big for you to even try to answer now. That doesn't mean you can't influence the kind of person your child will be. It also doesn't mean that you aren't, can't start praying for your child's faith and character. As a part of the homework for our parents of the children we're dedicating today, they were asked to list some characteristics that they hope that their child will develop by the time they become adults. So whatever's on your list, whatever qualities you are praying for your child to develop, just remember, you have the potential to be their best teacher. That's right. The best person to influence your child's future is you. Between this and this, and this, and this is you. The single most important influence in their life. And as that influencer, it's important to stay focused on what really matters. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In Deuteronomy 6, 5. A wise and trusted leader, Moses, once told a group of parents, aunts, uncles, singles, grandparents, that the most important thing to pass on to every child is a relationship with God. He wanted them to show their children how to love God with all their hearts. And it's the same for us. We need to show our children how to love God with all their hearts. And maybe you feel anxious because you're not sure what that would even look like. 
but it's not as hard as you might think. Moses advised parents to simply take, uh, to make rather faith a part of their everyday lives. One of the easiest ways to do that is to incorporate your faith into what you're already doing each week. During bath time, when you're driving in the car, when you're coloring together, be intentional about discussing your faith with your child. You have the most influence over your child and who they will become, but don't get overwhelmed. When Moses explained the strategy, he challenged the entire community of faith to influence the next generation. What he was suggesting is that you as a parent don't have to do this alone. That's why the church can and should play a role in your children's spiritual formation. So we want to partner with you. That's why we're here, to link arms with you in raising your child to have a faith of their own. And we as a church promise to create consistent and relevant environments for your child to grow in their relationship with God. And together, together we have 936 weeks, or what's left of that, to give your child the foundation that they will build for the rest of their lives. Gathering Place West wants to be a partner with you in helping your child to become someone who loves God, someone who loves others, someone who really lives. So start right now. Prioritize your relationship with them. Be present and dependable for them. Love them regardless and help them shape their faith. We want to pray for you uh, as we dedicate these children. Dedication for us is, is just our way of saying, uh, of, of saying we are going to participate with you. We want to pray with you and ask God's favor on your children. And we want to speak to you and to God, speak into your lives uh, what God has for your future. So I'm going to ask uh, our, our moms and dads and babies to come. And I'm going to ask everybody that's here, family and friends, uh, church members. We're going to talk some more about our role here in just a little bit. But as I go down the line to each one of the kids and and pray for them, I'm going to ask each of you also to be praying. In addition, there will be some slides. Uh, You can pray with your eyes open if you want to look at those slides and watch. But I'm going to go and pray for each one of them uh, and for their children. We lost the child. Oh, here, here she comes. And as we're praying, we'd like to ask you guys to pray as well. Uh, to just take this moment for us to talk about what we just talked about. What I just talked about to talk to God about these children. And he's going to be praying too, right, Stetson? Hey. Hey, good for him. Nobody likes teeth to come in, right? Don't, don't let that worry you one bit, all right? We're going to pray over him in just a second. Uh, but as we pray, I want to encourage you to pray as well. And when I, when I come to the, the couple or to the family that you are tied to, if you, don't, if you wouldn't mind standing uh, also uh, to represent your support behind them. All right, let's pray. All right, let's, let's pray together. Would you all stand with me? We're going to join Stetson in prayer. 
He's been praying the whole time. The whole time. Father, I thank you just for the blessing that you are in our lives, God, and for allowing us to be able to share this moment together, of blessing these children and, God, uh, giving them to you publicly. And I pray that uh, our actions after this as a church and as parents and family will, will be consistent with what we've heard from you today, that, God, we will walk in obedience to you and let them see you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We've been uh, going through First Timothy. I'm not preaching a message today, but I want to talk to us just for a second about these babies. One of the things uh, about the gathering place uh, is, well, first of all, we're young, so we, we have lots of babies. Babies happen real often at both of our locations, uh, which is a blessing. That's a huge blessing. Uh, but we see babies as arrows like the Bible describes them as arrows that eventually we know will be sent out into the world to affect change, to show people about Jesus. And it's so cool today that the songs we were singing about, that the ones that really stuck in my heart anyway, were about the love of God. I love what Ashley said about how the love of God is what changes everything. It doesn't matter where you are right now in life. You can be on either end of the spectrum. You can be, we talked about last Sunday, I'm going to bring these stands back because I think stands are good, and I'll tell you why. But this stand represents maybe the people that, have, that are right now you don't know God. You really don't have a relationship with God. Uh, maybe you're here today because you came to watch a baby get dedicated or because a friend invited you. But you've, been, you've, been, you've tried maybe everything that you can in the world to try and find pleasure for yourself. And you're still coming up empty. And maybe you're running away from these guys over here who, is, who I used to be. And that's, uh, that's religion that doesn't really focus on God. Maybe you, you grew up in religion. I did. I grew up in two different religions, and both of them were very religious, but they, were, they never really talked about having a relationship with God or about God loving me and about God giving me grace and mercy and God showing me his kindness. It was all about doing good works or having certain experiences. And, and uh, for most of my ministry, I've kind of been in between this. And, well, first of all, and then this stand represents a relationship with God that's personal. It's real. It's based on his love for us, it's my response to that. It's the, it's the receiving of a free gift of salvation through Christ, recognizing that God's giving me what I don't deserve. Now, where I've been most of my life is in between these two. I've been trying to talk these people into coming to where I am because where I was in whatever, whatever denomination or, or whatever kind of religious experience I was having at the time, I was what's normal, right? These people need to come to me. And these people over here are getting a little bit too much about God and not enough about church. So that's kind of where I spent most of my life was right here. And some of you might be. You're, you're somewhere on the continuum. And are, you know, now we have a, some of our members that are kind of right here. They're still, you know, they, they've understood the relationship of Christ, but they're still trying to hold on to, to the things that their flesh desires that they've done all their lives. And, and they're, they're right here. But well, here's the good news. Here's what I wanted to say today. Wherever you are on the, on the continuum, wherever you would find yourself and place yourself, nobody can place you. We're certainly not judging anybody. I have been on all places in this continuum. But I believe all of us agree that this is a good place to be, that, that letting, our, letting our relationship with God be the focus and letting whatever we do in religion be in response to him and our relationship with him. 
and letting whatever we do, well, you know, I think you start getting anywhere on this side. We're talking about sin. So we, but even if we're in sin, that we, we understand that God loves us and has already become our righteousness, and we, we're drawn back to here. People that are way over here, uh, this past week I've talked to two different people who are feeling drawn to this. But the problem for them is they ran away from that, and so they, they kind of equate God with religion. And they've had bad taste about religion. Uh, they just put a bad taste in their mouth. But this is good. It's good for both. You know, we, we have people coming into, into this body or coming into the kingdom of God and praying to receive Christ who, who are coming out of religion, spend all their lives in religion. My mom's one of those. We have people who have spent all their time in sin and in trying to please their flesh, and they've come to find God, and they love this. And wouldn't it be cool if we could just be about this? None of us are. We're always somewhere in, in the mix. But what we're saying today is, and, and what I want to reiterate, and I'm going to pick up, it's so cool how God does this. Every time I'm preaching through a sermon series, where we end up, it seems like falls on Christmas if we're doing Christmas. It falls on Easter if we're doing Easter. And today just falls beautifully uh, in this illustration of what do we really want for our kids? And what does God want for our kids? What did God desire from the beginning of time uh, that children would be? And what, what we would do to help them to become that. We left off in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I just want to read verses 14 through 16 and make a couple of points out of that. Kind of draw us back to what the Old Testament says and then how the New Testament has come to this place of fulfilling what God intended. In verse 14 it says, I hope to come to you soon. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up into glory. So he says, basically, in this passage, first of all, he's telling them these things so that they would know. And the things that he's telling them are all the qualifications, are all the characteristics of elders and deacons that we just went through. He's saying, those of you who strive to, to be godly, to, to be like Christ, those of you who are striving for that from a heart that's been transformed by the gospel, the good news of Christ, if, you're, if you've come here and your heart's been transformed and you have a desire to, to, to live a, right, a righteous life, this is what it looks like. It's all those characteristics we've been talking about. But he said that in order that we might know, all of us, how we ought to behave in the household of God. And what I want to focus on is the fact that he calls this, we talked about this when we started this series, that he calls us the household of God. Now, some of you might think the household of God is this building. It's not. Not according to what he, how the Scripture defines it here. It's not the building. He says the household of God is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. So here's what he says that the, the household of God is. It's the people. It's the church. The church is people. It's not buildings. It's the, it's the people. The household of God is us. We are the household of God. We need to know how we ought to behave in the, in the household of God. And so he says, basically, the household of God is where God lives. God dwells in this house. He dwells in all these little temples that are all together, living in the kingdom of God. 
And God's purpose in all of that is to manifest himself to the world. It always has been. God wants us to manifest how good he is, to show how good he is in the world. So that's why it's so, foc- so important that we focus on him and how good he is rather than focus on trying to be good ourselves. And then what will happen is we will behave correctly in the household of God among, among believers and, and in the community in which we live. We will, the fruit will come if we abide in Christ. But our job is not to produce fruit. Our job is to just abide in him. And that's so easy. It's what we're talking about today, just loving God and loving people. That's so much easier than trying to figure out life on our own and trying to figure out how to bring people from both sides uh, into a relationship with God. So God wants us to have an authentic, to be authentic, consistent manifestations of his presence in the world. He also wants us to be about the truth, pillars of truth. Now, pillar, you know what that is. That's, that's the big supports, and a buttress is a foundation. So he wants us to be those that hold up truth in the world. I can tell you, I, I thought that I was holding up truth when I was way over here, but it was, it was man's truth. It wasn't God's truth. And we get off on these tangents, and we try to, to add to Scripture what it really says. But the Bible as a whole basically says one thing. It says that God loved us enough to take care of our sin problems so that we could be united with him again and be in relationship with him again. In a nutshell, that's all the whole Bible is about. And our goodness, or our, our actions of righteousness, the things that we do that are good or bad, are the result of this. We need to be a foundation and a pillar of that truth in this community. And we start talking about our kids' lives. There'll be times when our kids are going to be way over here. There'll be times when they're going to be way over here. And there'll be everything in between. Those of you that have been parents long enough know that. And our goal is not to try to become more sinful so that we can bring our sinful kids and become their, their friends and act and go out and be in sin with them in order to bring them over here. It's that we can bring truth over here to them. That does require some change on our parts because if, we're, if you're like me, I grew up hardcore, uh, you know, rule follower, list of rules. I had my list of things to do, my list of things to don't, and, and judge myself and everybody else based on how well I was doing. And I had to get rid of some of that in order to come and be in, in fellowship and in relationship with people who are not believers. But I've done that, and I'm, I'm continually learning how to do that. God's showing me. But my purpose is still the same. I'm representing truth. When I go here, I'm representing truth. But the same thing, really the harder thing for me has been coming back over here, which has been true for most of our church members. Coming over here and helping people to see the truth about God. Realizing that God loves them, that God died for them, that God became their righteousness, that they don't have to be righteous. That's already been done for them. And that, from, and that brings them into a relationship with God that ultimately makes them act right. So Paul is telling Timothy this. He's talking about it. Our goal with our kids is that we want to stay right here. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus. We want to abide in Christ. We want to let our lives represent that and be changed by that so that we're not giving our kids some watered-down, version of what Christianity is that allows them and us to live in sin or some uh, uh, beefed up in our terms maybe uh, version of God that steals away 
their relationship with God. It makes them Pharisees. They're religious folk who never knew God or, or had any desire to know him. So that's our goal. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 through 14, right after uh, Moses got the second uh, tablets, he comes down to the people and he's telling them, he's giving all the, the laws to the people. And he says in verse 9, just verse 9, it says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest uh, they depart from your heart all the days of your life. So he's saying stay focused on God. Stay focused on his leadership in your life. Walk your life out with God. Abide in him, which is obeying his commandments. Live as God leads you to live. He says do that so that it won't depart from your heart all the days of your life. But more than that, he says make them known to your children and to your children's children. Now, we know that's Old Testament, but he was already talking about, look, make God's rules and laws known to your children. Help them understand what, how they need to live their lives so that they can see how good God is. Israel was ter- terrible about that. And not only did they not know God, but the surrounding nations didn't know God. And God uh, told them that. He says, the day's coming when I'm going to change you by taking out your heart of stone, giving your heart of flesh, putting my spirit in you, and then you will obey my laws and decrees, and you will be my kids, and I'll be your father, and you'll know me. You'll know me. And so some of us still like to hang out over there, following rules and regulations rather than following our hearts, asking God to change us on the inside. In verse 11 of the same chapter, he continues this dialogue, and he says, You therefore shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them in your ch- uh, to your children, talking of them when you are sitting down in your house, when you are uh, walking by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. So this is, again, an Old Testament command that, that we are continuing to fulfill by abiding in Christ. Is What we're doing is we are, as we talked about today, we're, taking, uh, we're using every marble, every moment that we have, every day, every hour that we have in front of our kids, trying to grab those moments rather than just letting them slip by or letting them, uh, letting them be stolen sometimes by others, that we take every day and, we, and we, we are present and real and we are loving God and we are obeying God. You know, some of, some, all of us have had a hard time to some degree of building our relationship with God, staying close to God, reading the word, praying, seeking God on a daily basis, asking God about life and obeying what he says. It's hard to do that. Why is that? It's because Satan knows that will rob you of the beauty of, of who God is. But what's, what's more important now is that you as parents recognize that you have already begun to model that for your kids. You need to work out your heart before God. You need to ask God to give you a heart and a passion for his word and for obedience and you need to begin to walk in that. Your kids will notice that. I'll never forget the, the morning that Todd uh, we were in the trailer and was in seminary and I wasn't very spiritual in seminary. Uh, I know that sounds weird but I wasn't. And uh, man, I, I was you know, but daily God was dealing with me and I was, it was when we were working on our doctorates and we had gone through some experience that God had really 
tore, torn our lives up and kind of made us rethink things. But I remember Todd coming in. I, I was kneeling and praying, and, and I remember him coming in in his little Power Ranger underwear and kneeling down beside me and putting his hand on my back, and he didn't know what all was going on, but he was old enough at two, three years old to understand that there was something significant going on between me and God. And I just think about moments like that. I mean, there's so many moments in our lives, but every moment counts. Your kids will know. They will change your disposition when you're loving God and you're spending time with him and you're obeying him and you're knowing him. So we want to focus right here. It's interesting, again, we talk about Timothy, Paul talking about Timothy, but I want to close with this. This is what Paul says in 2 Timothy about, about Timothy and his upbringing. He says in, in verses 4 through 7 of chapter 1, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember you with tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So it was true for Timothy. The reason why Paul had this confidence in Timothy uh, was because he knew that this was deep into Timothy's life, that it started with his grandmother, who I'm sure, like many of your grandmothers or some of you who are grandmothers, prayed for your kids and for your grandkids long before they were ever even in the minds of your children. All right, but you've been praying faithfully and, and just watching that faith get passed down and watching it grow and watching my kids, watching their faith be stronger than mine uh, at, at a younger age and being blessed by that. God has something that he's doing uh, in the life of your child, and, and you need to be a part of that. In church, God has something he's doing in the lives of these children. I, it, it, I'm not very emotional, but I always get emotional. It's hard for me to, to get control when I'm praying over these kids, not because, uh, because I'm a sap, but because I, God has given me this, this, this strong understanding and vision for the children that grow up in this church that he has something great planned for them, that they're going to be world changers, and there's no telling where these kids will be. You know, as I pray over these, these little ones, over Charlie over here, I'm thinking, where's she going to be, you know, 20 years from now? She might be in a foreign country somewhere, and our parents need to be okay with that. You know, grandparents need to be okay with that. We don't know where these kids are going to be. But if we raise these kids to love God, and let this be all we're about, just abiding in Christ, knowing him, spending time with him, hearing what his desires are for us, obeying him, walking in those things, and seeing and coming to know God. I, I promise you that's going to change us. We're going to be different. Our kids are going to be different than we were. They're going to be a whole lot stronger, a whole lot more in love with God, a whole lot more loving and caring, a whole lot more fruitful. All the things that I saw that your parents posted up on the wall as you came in, Things that you want your children to be gentle and kind and patient. Uh, you know, all those things are going to happen. And it's not going to happen because they tried real hard. And it's not going to happen because they, they went all by themselves and thought they didn't need God. It's going to happen because of this. It's because we stay focused, keeping our eyes on Christ, helping them to learn how to do that. So that's our goal.
So I want to ask the church family and family members as well, friends, whoever's here, I want to ask you some questions. Would you commit to to take seriously your role as family and as a family of faith, right, for these kids? As we dedicate them to the Lord today, would you commit to these things, number one? Y'all ready? Say, oh, yeah. Okay, this is where the water hits the wheel. This is where change may need to happen for some of us. All of us, some, something's going to hit you. But number one, would you devote your personal life to hearing God and obeying what he says and discovering him through that experience? That's going to grow your love for God. Would you just commit to that? Devote your personal life to hearing from God. I know that seems subjective, and it is, but God will speak to you in a way that you can understand. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Would you commit to that? And, and then coming to know God through the experiences that he gives you when you obey. If you would, say, I will. Secondly, would you carefully watch that you don't give in to the temptations that are thrust before you daily by our adversary so that you can live an upright life that these children can emulate? Would you be willing to do that, watching yourself, making sure you don't give in to temptations, and through those temptations, uh, put before the, before our kids something that's not consistent with who God is? If you're willing to say, I commit to that, would you say, I will? That's a lot right there, and it will be different for each one of us. Third, would you give special effort to develop a relationship with these kids? And, we're, and through that relationship, uh, that will earn you the right to be heard. So would you just commit to building a relationship with these kids? If you would, say, I will. And then lastly, would you commit to make your very best effort at taking every opportunity to reinforce the truths with, to which we adhere as believers, these truths of knowing God, of obeying him, the truths that come from his word to help raise these children up in the way that the Lord would have them to be raised. Would you commit to that? If so, say, I will. All right, let's stand together. We're going to close with a time of worship, and I'm going to pray for us again and just ask God to accomplish these things in your life. Father, I I know that um, there's there's no doubt that we can say these things and, and... and probably many of us have without much conviction. But, Lord, my prayer is that you would bring these, make these things real in our lives this week, that you would bring these things back to mind, that, that every time we see these children that we dedicated to you today, that we would be reminded of our responsibility. Lord, I pray for parents, for family members, that you would help each one, and for members of this church, that you would help each of us to devote our personal lives to understanding God you're leading seeking you in that through your word prayer and your spirit that we would obey you and discover more about you through the experiences that you give us in life make that real for us father I pray that that as we said today as we committed to be to carefully watch not to give in to temptations that we've been giving into I pray that Lord that you would take out of our minds 
what I know the enemy is whispering, and that is I'll do it all but one. Or this one, I'm really not going to change in that area. I've never changed for anybody else. I'm not going to change now. God, I pray that you give us a deeper love for you that would cause us to, to, to change those things, to trust you in those areas and for the sake of the kids. Father, my prayer for these people, for all of us, is that you would show us how to make the effort we need to to develop relationships that would that would earn us the right to speak into the lives of these children. And Father, help us to know and see the opportunities that you give us to reinforce the truth that we believe and to give that into their lives. Father, we take this seriously. I don't know why you always get me emotional about this stuff, but I know that it's there's something going on there that's being prompted by your spirit. God, in my, in my personal thoughts and ideas are that you have something great for these kids, that they're going to be world changers. And so, Father, we want that, and we agree with you on that. And we worship you because you're a God that accepts us, loves us, has given us your grace and mercy, saved us while we were in rebellion against you, and that you're going to do the same for our children. We dedicate them to you today, Father, and we dedicate ourselves to you anew, and we worship you.